likeness of you. And Lord, we pray for the lost to be found in all things. May you guide us and help us to accomplish your kingdom's will. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men, for serving and collecting offering. And as, you, um, as the plate passes by you after you're done giving that offering, I ask if you would please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 22 to 71. John chapter 6, verse 22 to 71. We have a large section to read today, but we're going to try and get through it all. And with that, I'm going to try not to take too many breaks today as we read. We'll save, save all, the, all of my comments for after. But before we get there and as you're turning, I believe that's page 838 in those Black Pew Bibles. But before we get there, I want to share a little story with you. You see, today we talked about Christ being the bread of life. As I think about that, and as I think of how Christ sustains us for eternity, I was thinking about my dad. And if my dad's listening today or if he listens later, I apologize for using you as a sermon illustration, but I think you know where this is coming from. You know, it's funny how people change with age, too, because this does not really characterize him anymore. But growing up, my dad had a saying. In fact, I even asked my wife about this yesterday. I asked, am I mistaken or do you remember him saying this? And she's like, oh yeah, he used to say this all the time. You see, my dad liked to say that he likes to eat food which sustains life. And for the most part, this was all about eating meat. And today we, we teach our kids the same thing. I, I can't say how much I tell my kids as they're eating junk food after school, as a school snack, you should be eating something that sustains life. Or maybe those days where it's a make yourself whatever you want for dinner type day and you're expecting them to make a bologna sandwich or a hot dog or some pizza rolls. Okay, even that some would argue does not sustain life. But you don't expect them to just get some chips out of the cabinet or to eat some ice cream for supper, right? Now, I don't know that my kids have ever done that, but the point is this. We expect them to eat something, and we say, eat something which sustains life. But that's not what my dad's understanding was. My dad did not like pizza much. He would say, that does not sustain life. In his eyes, pizza just did not have enough meat on it. He did not seem to like to eat Taco Bell or Taco John's up here or Mexican food much either. In fact, there was a KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right next to Taco Bell. There's also an Arby's. And anytime my mom thought she was going to treat us boys or sons to some Taco Bell, my dad would say, well, that's fine, but make sure you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or to Arby's because I need meat. I need food that sustains life. Now, let me clarify. I love Mexican food. I love tacos and burritos and all sorts of Mexican food. And I do love also chips and guacamole and salsa. And I like the spicy stuff. I like the mild stuff. I like just about it all. But my dad, I think he just thought it was just a bunch of food mushed together in a burrito. And he liked his solid chunks of meat. He liked steak. Now, like I said, my dad has changed a lot anymore and he doesn't really eat as much as probably he even should anymore, and maybe not enough meat. But it doesn't change the fact that I remember these memories that he would say, we need to eat what sustains life. Now, I love junk food, just like the next guy. 
I love ice cream, too. Who loves ice cream? Go ahead, raise your hand. Who loves junk food? Come on, every kid in here, just about, I think Tinley back there might not like ice cream much. I don't know. Are you raising your hand? But I love ice cream. Just about everybody does. My daughter, Lana, she loves ice cream, too. She could eat it every day for supper. But I tell her, you need to eat food which sustains life, especially if you want to live a good, long, healthy life and one within the proper weight range. In fact, Dairy Queen is what I blame for gaining 20-some pounds in the last few years, and what I now think What I I now say how I've lost some weight is by not going to Dairy Queen every day after picking up my kids from school and dropping them off at home. Now, some of you noticed that. What I said was after I dropped them off at home, I would go grab an ice cream cone on the way back to work. Now, notice, I know it doesn't sustain life. I was getting it as a snack. I would still eat my steak for dinner. Here's the point. Today, we will see Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, using an illustration of bread to show how he is the bread. But not just any bread. He is the bread that sustains life. He is the living bread, come down from heaven from the Father. But he's the bread of life, which gives life for all of eternity. And in saying this, the bread symbolizes nourishment. He nourishes everything we need. And here's the great thing. You see, when we avoid that ice cream, Will we avoid maybe eating too many sugars or too many soft drinks or too much junk food? Jesus being the bread of life is everything. He is that meat that sustains life, but in him we find everything and anything we need. It's as if we can eat that ice cream, that junk food, that meat, that Mexican food, that Italian food, that French cuisine, everything we want, all in one. That's Jesus. He is everything and anything we need. He is a living water which thirst, which quenches our thirst, and he is the bread which provides nourishment for eternity. Jesus would teach his disciples, all of them, the crowds, that we should eat of him. But in this, what he is really saying is that we must take him into our lives. Take him in fully. Let him go through every morsel of our body to bring nourishment and peace in all things, to balance us, to restore us to what we're meant to be, and then abide in him, abide in him. We must not be so busy abiding after the materialistic things of this world, gobbling it all up, that you fail to eat up, gobble up the word of God, that you fail to gobble up Christ as Lord. It's his substance that brings eternally righteous living. Take him in. Abide in him. Today we're going to see two things. We're going to see a vast difference, a contrast of purpose from from what we saw last week of his 12 close disciples in the boat. They fell down and worshipped Christ as Lord, as the Son of God. They were rightful followers. They sought him outrightly. But then we're also going to see this second type of follower. We're going to see the crowds of which the majority, the large majority of these crowds would leave. They would leave. We're going to see them. We're going to see those who did not seek him outrightly. But then we're also seeing a third thing. We're seeing the bread of life explained. Like I said, we can't take a lot of time, but I do want to say one more comment before we read from page 838, John 6, 22 to 71. I want to say this. 
You see, Jesus had a large majority of his disciples, not the 12, but those who are following after him, sitting before him, wanting to listen to what he was saying, wanting to, to see what he was doing, wanting to receive his blessings, this large majority would leave his side because Jesus was not afraid of proclaiming and stating what needed to be stated. And that's the same for us. We must not be afraid to live for God. State what needs to be stated. Proclaim truth. And that truth is found in God's word. Not the ways of the world, but the ways of God. I want to just briefly remind you where we've been. This week, um, three, possibly four, if you include the little weeks we had in John chapter 6. And we started with Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish from a boy's lunchbox that day. Because of, the, because of this, the crowds, they were circling around. They were getting excited. And Jesus knew they were going to want to crown him an earthly king here soon. So Jesus went up to a side, a mountainside, went up to a hillside to rest. He departed from this because this was not the time nor the place or in the right way. They had a wrongful image of who he was. And we're going to get into this in today's scripture. But before he did this, he sent his disciples out in a boat. That's what we read about, what we studied last week. And as the disciples left, following his command, following in obedience, the seas became rough. Strong winds developed. And Jesus came walking on the water. He calmed the seas and he showed the disciples that they need not be afraid. Jesus never left their lives, truly. Jesus came into their lives physically here, and he calmed the seas miraculously with his majestic, divine authority over all creation. And they fell and worshipped him, and they were instantly at their destination. That is where we come today. We are now on the other side of the sea with Jesus, with the disciples, and now the crowds come looking for Jesus. And they come into his presence once again. And we have the longest chapter in the book of John, which we're going to try and wrap up today. Let's read. John 6, starting verse 22. It's on the screen today as well. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. But that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Seeking Jesus. Verse 25 now, if you're catching up. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Remember, they went seeking him. They went looking. Where did he go? There was only one boat here, and Jesus was not on it. Jesus answered them, though, ignoring their question. That's not what's important. He answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs. Again, these signs are to illustrate his divine authority as the Son of God. But because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. When they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. 
So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Just briefly, I break to say, really? I mean, this Jesus just got done feeding thousands with a few loaves and a couple fish. This Jesus has turned water into wine. This Jesus has been healing the many, and this is why crowds are following him. And they're asking, what sign do you do to prove who you are? Let's get back to the scripture. Verse 31 says, Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Notice these truly, trulys. It's like he's getting their attention. He's saying, listen up, hear ye, hear ye. Stop arguing, stop questioning, and listen to me. Truly, truly, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. One of the great I am statements of Christ. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Listen to this clearly. He's saying saying, it's not about these works. It's not about demanding what do we do. It's about believing in him. I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Believe in him being the bread that provides nourishment for eternity. Verse 50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that, no, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. 
For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent to me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died, the original manna. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let's wrap this up. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. How, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked in him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Thank you for following along. That was a lot of scripture for one day, but I am encouraged in knowing that no matter what I say from here, you have been blessed because we are all blessed when we read and study the word of God, when we soak it into our lives and allow its nourishment to bring us what we need. Amen? You know, I want to say one thing before we get on to my points today. I have two points and then some applications and some thoughts within those points. But before I get there, I want to point out the reason. You see, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked in him. And again, it's not speaking of the, the original chosen 12. It's talking about the crowds which were following. But in this, what we see is the reason they were leaving is because Jesus is claims to be the I am, the bread of life. Because Jesus is saying that they must eat his flesh and taken his blood. Now, the early church, some people throughout history have used this either as an excuse for or a mocking of Christianity, saying that Jesus was publicly teaching cannibalism, which is not meant to be. Again, what's meant to be is as an illustration that just as we take in food and it nourishes and goes through our entire life, our body, and provides life, and it flows out of us, that's what Jesus is meant to be. Now, we can't spend a lot of time on this, but what I want to point out is this. We must not shy away from proclaiming this truth to other people around us, too. We live in a dark world, and we always have, for sin is in the world, but it seems darker at some times than others, and we have the source of true light. We have the source of true hope and a purpose and fulfillment. We have the source of of getting peace with God in heaven, and we must proclaim that the only way to receive total satisfaction, we'll talk about this in a bit, is through accepting Christ as Lord. Live according to his ways, not our own. 
Now, that's just evidence of our faith. That's just the basis of our faith and the basis of righteous living. It's not how we're saved. We're not saved because we live according to his ways. We're saved because we profess that he is Lord over our lives and we repent of sin and confess him as Lord. But we must profess this to others too, that they need Jesus. Take him into their lives and be nourished. For the, the food, the bread, it nourishes and the blood of Jesus, it cleanses. Let's get to these points now. Point one I want to discuss today is simply this. Seek Jesus. But more than simply this, seek Jesus rightly. Seek Jesus rightly. It's so easy to say, well, what do you mean? Of course, we, if you seek Jesus, you must seek him rightly. But I must say, it's not always done. We see that in today's scripture, but we also see it in the world today has so many people seek Jesus for what they can get. They want the blessings of the God without, without serving God. In today's scripture, we see a contrast from the previous week. We see the, the, that the disciples, last week's scripture, it showed Jesus is closest disciple than a boat in a storm, recognizing the divinity, the authority of Jesus Christ as the son of God, and they rightly fall down and worship Christ for who he is. They rightly seek and follow their Lord. They rightly seek to please him and obediently live for him and his commands. Hence why they're in the boat to begin with without him. But this week we see the crowd seeking Jesus too, but seeking him wrongly. They're not seeking Jesus to worship him, to bow down before him for who he is. They're seeking to worship him for what he gives. But we must worship him first above all things. For who he is. And then you can expect that he will bless your life in many ways. But we must first seek him. The crowd seek Jesus wrongly. And when they find Jesus on the other side, he reprimands them for this. He states in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Notice a few things here. Notice first that truly, truly. Again, I said this earlier. Jesus is in essence saying, listen up. Hear ye, hear ye. Pay attention. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Stop moaning. Stop arguing. I'm telling you the truth. I'm here to tell you. Listen closely. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill. And what a shameful statement. They ate their fill of the loaves, not that they were eating their fill of him. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So notice first that truly, truly. Notice second, notice next. Jesus, knowing all, I find it interesting, he does not need to ask why they're seeking him. Instead, he tells them why they are seeking him. He says, he gets straight to the point and says, you seek me not because of the signs, but because you ate your fill. And then third, notice the third thing. He tells them what they should be doing with their lives too. And we need to notice all three of those things because Jesus does the same for us still today. Jesus is not some all-knowing, wrathful God who just wants to reprimand us 
slap us on the wrist, punish us, and not show us a better way of living. No, Jesus tells them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus provides abundant eternal life. Jesus gives us righteous ways to live by. Jesus gives life, hope, and a purpose. The problem is, just like 2,000 years ago, people are searching for this purpose, this hope, this fulfillment, but they're not seeing that it's right in front of them. I thought about the movie Finding Nemo, the Disney movie Finding Nemo, and I thought about Nemo's dad, Marlin, as he swims across the sea looking for his son that got lost because he went on his own way, didn't he? And he tried to touch that boat. As Marlin swam looking for his son, I thought of ourselves, we're like this. We, we swim through life searching everywhere in hope of finding Nemo, but in, that Nemo isn't really some fish. It's not a clownfish. That Nemo is fulfillment, it's purpose, it's happiness, it's joy, it's hope. And we say, have you seen Nemo? Have you seen the sun? Have you seen my son? Have you seen what I need? Where is he, we say. But the thing is, that's not what we need. My hope, my joy, my purpose, my fulfillment. Where is it? We think, just keep swimming. We'll find it eventually. That's what the world says. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Be yourself. Don't be who God wants you to be. Be what the world's telling you to be. But no, none of that's going to fulfill you. We need to stop swimming and see that God's already dropped Jesus into the water right in front of us. Seek him and seek him rightly. Christ the Messiah is right in front of them. He's right in front of us, but we fail to find him still. And my question here for you is this. Do you seek the Lord? Do you seek what only he can provide? Do you seek him rightly? And all who seek the Lord, all who claim to seek the Lord, we should question ourselves, why are we seeking him? What are we hoping to receive? Or better yet, what are we willing to give because the church exists for the glory and the worship of God, not for just receiving blessings, not just for receiving this earthly bread or this earthly nourishment, but to receive the spiritual things which only he can give. God himself is to be fo the focus of the church, of his people. I want to read this clearly from my notes. I don't want to get mixed up. All those who claim to be his followers should have this goal. And all that is done in the church and by the church should be an effort to bring him glory, honor, and praise. Your life should be for him. Your life should all be for his glory. Let me say this a different way. I wrote down for the Christian, everything said, everything done, everything thought, every thought acted upon or acted out, it should all be for the glory of God. And I think that's a strong statement to apply to our lives and to think wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever we're thinking, whatever we're acting upon, whatever we're saying, does it glorify him above or is it for our own glory? Why are we seeking Jesus? Are we seeking him at all? Are we seeking him for his glory or for our own? We spend a lot of time trying to please ourselves. How much time do we spend trying to please him? and trying to do his kingdom work. 
We are to pursue more of God, not just more from God. Let me say that once more. We as Christians, as his followers, as his disciples, as those who have trusted in him as Lord, we are to want more of God, not just more from God. And when this is true, I do believe that he does bless us in seeking him out with our whole heart and seeking him out rightly. These people's concerns was only for the physical. They sought Jesus out as a golden goose, a prize which would bless their lives with physical golden eggs. But Jesus has so much more to give. Jesus wants to give eternal life and a godly example of living, righteous living, and a restored life with the Father in heaven. Jesus wants us to be made into his image, his likeness. The miracle of Jesus feeding the thousands was not simply to feed them a physical substance for the day, but to illustrate to them who he truly was and what he could provide for them for eternity. And yet they asked for more, more of the wrong thing. This brings us to point two. Point one, seek Jesus, seek Jesus rightly. Point two, on the bottom there, Christ is the bread of life. And in saying this, we see three concepts that I want to highlight, or three ideas. A, or one, however you want to put it in notes. Christ is the bread of everlasting life. In saying this, that Christ is the bread of everlasting life, we state, or we see, he is the only one that which provides a way to everlasting life with God. He is the only one that provides an everlasting, restored, peaceful life with God. Manna could feed the people and provide for a time, but in Christ, as the true bread, the one, everything you need is provided for for eternity. Christ is the genuine living bread from heaven, and he is prophecy fulfilled. And as bread, he nourishes, and as blood, his blood, it cleanses. B, number two, as the bread, Christ being the bread of life, is this. Christ is the bread of satisfying life. I said we'd talk about this a little bit earlier. I said we'd talk about it later. Christ is the bread, the only bread which truly satisfies. It was said that St. Augustine once said, we are made for God and our hearts find no peace apart from him. Remember that idea of finding Nemo? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. That's what the world does. They search all over the world for some type of treasure, some type of God they can worship, some type of materialistic God that will please them and bring them joy, bring them fulfillment. But as Augustine said, and it's true, we are made for God and our hearts find no peace apart from him. Christ alone offers a total satisfying life and to those who accept it on his terms is provided for. We must accept it on his terms, but accepting on his terms involves both coming and believing. Coming and believing. Only Jesus, as one pastor said, I forget who it was, only Jesus can fill the emptiness inside our souls. Only Jesus quiets the growling of our souls and gives life. But as we come and believe, we must realize it's not just about thinking about coming and believing. It's about the act of coming and believing. There's a lot of people that think about Jesus. They think about maybe Jesus was the Son of God. Unfortunately, I've got relatives and friends that think that way, and they think, well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but I'm not ready to devote my life to him. I'm not ready to give my faith over to him. 
And they're not saved. They're not. It's about totally coming to him in action and believing in him as Lord. To truly come and believe is to, I wrote down this definition, to truly come and believe is to internalize the truth and need for Jesus. Take him in. Allow him to change you for his good and receive him unto your souls. One must come in faith and they must leave with their faith given over to Jesus. Receive him. He then satisfies any yearning. He satisfies any thirst. He satisfies any hunger. See, and lastly, for this point too, Christ is the bread of the resurrection life. Christ is the bread of the resurrection life. Christ raised from the dead, and so will we through his power. We will be raised to be by his side for eternity. We will be raised by the Holy Spirit's help now. And we can live in and by this resurrection power now and forever. So as I close or begin to close here, I promise I only have a half a page left. I state this. Will you live in the resurrection power of Jesus? Why don't you seriously contemplate that? Are you living in the resurrected power of Christ? Are you living in his ways? Are you living for him and for his glory? Are you living that although in the, in the truth that although this world seems to be burdened greatly and depressed and sad and angered by things happening around the world, we can be overjoyed even now by knowing that we are not of this world. We are of his kingdom and we have a place reserved for him, with him both in his heavens and in his future earth. Live in that truth. Live by the resurrected power now. Live knowing that you have the great Holy Spirit within you to give you wisdom, to give you joy, to give you peace, and to give you so much more. Live knowing that we can cry out to God anytime, and he listens and he saves I said last week, there's only one reason to truly fear, except for a reverence type of fear. There's only one reason to fear, and that's if we don't know Christ as Lord. Because then, yes, our place reserved for us is not up in heaven. It's in hell. We need to seek God and seek him rightly with our whole heart as Lord, as Savior of our lives. Back to the notes. I said I didn't have much more. In closing... In the closing of chapter 6, we see two responses to Christ. We see the unbelieving majority of crowds, and then we see the believing minority or the close disciples and the true followers of Christ. Which group are you part of? Will you continue to devote your life to him? Will you recognize, as Peter proclaims, we have come to believe and know and still believe and know Will we continue to believe and know that he is the one true king, the son of God, God himself? Do you believe and know Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as the bread of eternal life, the son of God? Have you committed your life to him? If not, do it today. If maybe you have and you've thought, well, I just haven't been living as I should. Recommit your life to live as you should. You know, all you have to do is cry out to him and And it's not even about a prayer. It's about just crying out to him and just pleading, Lord, please forgive me. 
I confess you are Lord and you must be Lord over my life as well. I must live according to your ways. Help me, save me. Do that today. A closing big idea I have for you in a couple applications related. Jesus points out that no earthly food compares to the substance that God provides. Christ is the living, eternal bread. No matter how great that ice cream tastes, that junk food, or whatever else you desire for nighttime craving, satisfaction, know that none of that satisfies for eternity. None of that satisfies the yearnings of our soul for this restored relationship with God. We need Jesus. We need to stop looking for hope in worldly places. In Jesus, find what we've been looking for and need. Hunger and thirst no more, for Jesus is here. Seek Jesus, and seek Jesus rightly. Let's close in prayer and then song. Thank you for listening and following along. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing it is to our life. But ultimately, Lord, we thank you for Jesus fulfilling your word and bringing your word to our lives. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit within us that helps us to understand your word today and that convicts and encourages and strengthens. And Lord, we pray now that your word would continue to work upon us, continue to lead us in your ways and to the everlasting. And may we live in your resurrection power. May we continue every day to think, are we seeking Jesus rightly? It's in your holy and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Please stand and worship with us. Thank you.